I am starting a new series today titled Goodbye Loneliness. Goodbye Loneliness. It was under the instruction of the Holy Spirit, and honestly, I just had no idea where he was taking me with this message. But how many know that every one of us are going to be faced with loneliness at one point or another? You know, whether it's a, um, a loved one that passes on, uh, a, a good friend uh, that may have possibly betrayed you at one point or another. Uh, Jesus himself, the Bible says that he was acquainted with griefs and sorrow. So Jesus himself very much understands what it's like to be lonely. Uh, but yet he also gives us wisdom and solutions of how to overcome loneliness, just like he has taught us through his word how to overcome anything that's under the curse. But we will be faced with loneliness a time or two throughout our journey. And saying goodbye to loneliness doesn't mean that it's going to stay goodbye forever. It's going to try and reappear from time to time throughout our journey here on earth. Uh, But God does give us some instruction on how to handle loneliness uh, because we are faced with it. And he always has a solution for every problem that we'll ever face here on the earth. So... I just want to kick off with this since we're kind of starting this whole concept of let's, let's keep reaching people for Christ. Because how many know that Jesus was distracted with the lost? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's one of his reasons why he came here. But what I'm saying is that in Matthew chapter 18, verse 12, Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? So Jesus is very much just like, I'm happy to be around the 99, but if there's one that's lost, I'm distracted by that one. In other words, his, his shifting, his focus shifts. And this is one of the wisdom principles that God gives us when we're facing loneliness, adversity, challenges, or problems, or even good times. Jesus gives us the wisdom to live beyond ourselves, to be always thinking about that one that is lost, that one that you really love, that you care about, that you've been praying for, that person that really matters to God. And God wants us to be distracted by the lost. He wants us to have a burden for the things that he has a burden for. He wants us to love what he loves and hate what he hates, you can say. And when we focus our attention and our love on others, we'll always say goodbye to loneliness. Let me explain throughout this message. But I remember one time, Jesus, I asked him this question. I said, Jesus, how did you handle the persecution when you're here on the earth? And his response to me, not out loud, but just here in my spirit, I heard the spirit of God say to me, he said, I focused on the one that was lost. In other words, when persecution comes, which can mean facing lonely times or feeling betrayed or feeling misunderstood, and and we experience those emotions that are very real. And, and God himself says that he's touched with our infirmities. He understands what it's like. Jesus understands what it's like to be tempted, yet without sin. Jesus understands what the weakness of the flesh is like, but yet he prevailed. Yet he's moved with compassion for all of us when we're facing these moments of whether we're talking about loneliness or any other issues that we're faced with. And here's how he did it, is he focused his attention, living beyond himself, thinking about others. When we choose to live beyond ourselves, it's absolutely amazing how we can literally say goodbye to loneliness. How many of our parents here, you know, you have some kids, grandkids, and uh, 
you know, you think about the distraction method. You know what I'm talking about when I say the distraction method? So let's say, for example, they didn't get what they wanted and they're crying, tears are coming down, and they're just like, <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, look at the airplane out the window or the bird. And they're just like, they forget about what they were just crying over, right? Like, where? Let me see. You know, isn't that so real of what God is saying to you and me today is that he understands that we're faced with these emotions, including loneliness, but how we prevail over that is he says, focus on the one that's lost. And you know, in fact, when I was, I pressed it a little bit more and I said, well, how did you handle it when it was excruciating pain? You were held on the cross. How did you handle that? And he said, I focused on the promises of God. I focused on the promises. I endured the cross because he could see the joy that was set before him, as Hebrews says. So when you're going through difficult times, you, there are, I mean, when it's extreme, how we overcome it is, yes, we focus on the promises of God that, listen, we're not going to stay in this condition forever, that we're going to come out better off than we were before we face this problem. No matter what the enemy is intended for evil, God's going to work it together for our good, that we're going to have double honor for the shame that we experience, that God is working all things together for our good for those simply who love the Lord. You know, and you think about that, but when you're going through these moments of loneliness or feeling abandoned or betrayed or rejected, uh, you, the one thing that God will always do is he'll say, lift up your eyes, look beyond yourself. There's somebody else out there in this world that's hurting as well. And when we start focusing on loving others, so I remember a few years ago, Amy's dad is 88. He's going to be 89 this summer. And he, he's, you know, he's a farmer through and through. And so you can't even get him out of the skid loader. He's still to this day, 88 years old, gets into that skid loader, um, gets on his tractor, gets on his lawnmower, and he keeps a purpose of, I'm going to keep doing what I can do. As long as I'm here, I'm going to keep doing what I can do. I'm going to keep living with a purpose. But a few years back, I was moved with compassion for him because I could tell that he had seen a lot of family members and friends included uh, that had passed on already in his lifetime. So people, even though, you know, he's married to an amazing woman, would you give Amy's mom a wonderful hand clap letter? And he has four amazing kids and one extraordinary son-in-law. <laughs> I had to add that one in. He was still faced with moments of loneliness. You know, all of his closest friends and a lot of his siblings and family members have gone uh, from this earth already, and he was dealing with these emotions of feeling lonely. And so I remember one day praying over this, and I got a word, just, it just downloaded one night in my sleep, and I got direction, and I went to him one day, and I said, Dad, I said, uh, I think you should really consider writing a list of people that you've wanted to see in a long time. Maybe, maybe your cousin Bill up way up north, and you know, maybe even write a letter if you can't get up there to go see them. But maybe, maybe just make a list of people that you really want to reach out to, that you want to go say hello to, visit. Again, it's God's way. It's a distraction method, isn't it? Of saying, don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what you can do yet. Because every one of us have something we can do or we can give. And sometimes people are looking at like, well, I don't have like what you want or I, I just can't give what you need. And yes, you can give something though. You know, there's a study that was done on people who uh, receive warm smiles from a loved one. And based upon the study, it came back that a warm smile, a smile from a loved one was better than a $5,000 bonus. So I like to smile at all of our staff on a regular basis. <laughs> Is that worth 5000 really? Is that, that's, 
just smile at our staff on a regular basis. It keeps them so content here. But I, I think about even like Amy's grandmother, uh, when her uh, grandfather passed on, one of the things that she started doing right away is she started making rolls and cinnamon rolls and bringing rolls to people and visiting people and doing things. So there's always something that we can do as a church. There's always somebody out there that I know at times in my life when I, I may have uh, maybe going through something, maybe I'm missing my mom. I haven't seen her in many, many years because she crossed over to the other side a long time ago to be with Jesus, and I'm thankful that she's there. But maybe there's those moments where you just, I just wish I could give her one more big hug. You know what I'm saying? Can anybody relate with me? You know what I'm talking about. You've had loved ones that have crossed over already. And so there's those moments, and I know that every time I start thinking about wishing I could have a big hug or say I love you kind of thing one more time. And of course, we can, we can say, Jesus, would you please pass along a message to my mom? And he will always say yes. I mean, I can tell you there's many times where I've said, Father, could you just do me a small favor today? It's Mother's Day. Could you bring something extravagant to my mom? Maybe some of the rewards that I've accumulated over the years. I don't care. Bring her something good today. And I've never had him say, no way. <laughs> He's always like, of course I'll do that. You know, and, and so we can pass along messages and so on like that. But all I'm saying is that there are reality moments of just feeling like I just wish I could be with that person one more time, you know. And we will. Thank God, you know, for those of us who, are, uh, who have ex- received Christ and those who have already crossed over before us, you know, one day, very soon, we're going to be able to be reunited for the rest of eternity to never physically be apart again for the rest of eternity. Isn't that good news when you think about it? But when you're here on the earth and you're dealing with these emotions, which are very real, how do we overcome it? You know, just yesterday I heard of two more suicide issues. Why is that? Why has the suicide rates gotten so um, skyrocket? What's going on? What is happening? It's because people don't realize that they have something they can give to this world around them. They're only focused on just how it's feeling right now, what they're dealing with right now, rather than thinking about that there is something that they can do for somebody. And anytime we live beyond ourselves, I know anytime that I deal with these emotions myself, the first thing the Lord does is he reminds me to either pick up my phone, to write a thinking of you card, uh, to send out a text to somebody. And if I have your phone number, how many have received a phone, like a text from me or something like that? So I've had some lonely dates. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm talking. But I, I'm just not a, you know, it's not like I've always, you know, sending a text out when I'm feeling discouraged. That's not the, you know, I just encourage, I, this, what's inside of me is to encourage you. Because I know encouragement is the oxygen to one's soul. But you know what? It doesn't cost me anything. It's just simply a, you know what? I'm going to take a few moments and I'm going to text uh, someone you know, from the church that's on my heart, and I'm going to reach out to someone, I'm going to call someone, I'm going to get together with someone and just visit, I'm going to go stop and see someone. How many know that anytime you go and visit a senior or something like that, and you just show up and you bring flowers to them, or it doesn't even hardly cost you anything, but you stop in, but you give them a huge smile for just making time for them. 
You know, you're always going to feel better. And within a few moments after I send out a text and I get a message back, I got another message back. I had a vision of someone who was in full-time ministry out in Colorado. And uh, last night, I, I just all day yesterday, I had him on my heart. And then I started to fall asleep last night. And all of a sudden, I saw a vision of him. And it kind of jarred me out of my sleep. And I was like, oh, I better pray for him. So I prayed for him. And then I sent him a text this morning because I couldn't shake him from my mind as I was focusing on you. I just thought, I've got to reach out to him. And then he wrote back, I just, I just said, I'm praying praying for you. Uh, He said, you have no idea how much I needed that today. You just never know the difference that you can make unless you actually start living beyond yourself. You know, there's a lot of ingrown people in this world that are focused on just them and what they're going through, but you're always going to feel better about yourself when you live beyond yourself. When you start thinking about what you can do for others, those emotions of loneliness are going to disappear and fade away very quickly when you start living for people around you. And how many know that you're always going to stand taller when there's somebody on your shoulders? When you're lifting someone up, you're always going to feel better about yourself. And there's something powerful about sowing and reaping that when you sow prayers into somebody's life, when you're sowing a word of encouragement into somebody's life, you just pick up the phone and make a phone call and make a visit to someone. You're always going to feel better about yourself because you've added value and now you've become more valuable. There's always something that we can do we can't limit ourselves to thinking, I, I just, there's nothing, there's nothing going right in my life. Listen, you can make some things right. And maybe it's not with you in control of what you are going through right now currently, but you can help change the sphere and the environment of other people. And if you will sow, you will reap. You know, Proverbs 11.25 reminds us that as we refresh others, we ourselves will be refreshed. And so maybe an encouraging word is not the first thing that comes to your mind. Maybe you're an acts of service kind of type personality, and you're like, man, I wonder if there's any, I can tell you there's been times where somebody texts me and says, pastor, is there anything I can do for you? And you're like, oh, man, I got this assembly, this thing. I have no clue how to put this thing together. I kind of passed my generation. My dad is like, he was, you know, he had a lumber company, and so I knew what to sell to all of our carpenters and builders and stuff like that, but to put all that stuff together, I'm just like, Darwin, can you help me out here with this or somebody? Because it's like, and then it passed to Caleb. And for some reason, Caleb picked up what my dad has. And he has this ability to assemble things like, how do you do that? I think, you know, when it comes to working on cars, I've been able to change oil and stuff like that. But I think sometimes I've had a mechanical bypass and went from my dad to my son. And it's like, that's not my strength. But maybe it's your strength. And maybe there's Somebody out there that could use help putting something together, hanging something up or doing something. There's something you can always add value to the people around you when you start thinking about, what can I do for someone in my life right now, in my sphere of influence? You know, and I think sometimes, Amy and I were talking about this last night, and I I just, I think, I don't know how far I'm going to get into this message today, but I think the reason why a lot of times people stop serving and stop giving is because they get polluted and contaminated. You know, they just kind of just go through the religious routine, like they just show up for church or they just show up to serve, but it's really not in their heart. And the question is, why not? What's going on inside of us that we're not excited about serving? Why are we not like the first ones on the, out there just like, I'm ready? Because I remember when I do a gauge, you know, and I check my life from the neck up, you know, I do a checkup, 
from the neck up, you kind of, sometimes we get stinking thinking, you know, and sometimes we need to figure out what is going on. Why have I lost that passion, that zeal to serve and to give and to add value to the people around me? What's going on inside of me? And a lot of times it's like King David said in Psalm 51, verse 10, he had to go before the Lord and say, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Sometimes we just need to get washed in God's amazing grace and presence and say, God, I want to have your heart for serving. I want to feel what you feel for that person. You know, when I stepped into becoming a pastor, my biggest concern was I knew God would infuse his love into me for people. And that means that I would feel what he feels for all of you. And there's times where I know that many of you who have pastored already and and are here today or watching online, that you know what it's like, that you fall in love with these people and all of a sudden either they, they go home to be with Jesus or they move away to another state or God forbid they go to another church down the street, you know. You know, you know what I'm talking about and this love that's inside of us it's just like, oh, and you cry, you know, and you, you know, it's like, God, that's the only reason I don't want to pastor is because I know I'm going to feel what you feel for these people. And I know that I'm going to fall in love with these people the moment I meet them because it's your love inside of me that feels for them. And, and when they, when you ache and your heart longs for them and you're, and you haven't seen them, I mean, you see them, but I'm saying like, they're not assembling because their hearts have become contaminated and polluted, and they're not excited about worshiping anymore. They're not excited about reading the Bible anymore. They're not excited about giving or whatever, adding value. What's going on? And this is where it's okay to be okay with where you're at right now, but it's not okay to stay where you're at. When your heart has been filled with toxin and contamination from this world's pollution, we've got to get before the Lord and say, God, create in me a clean heart. Give me that passion that I once used to have for reading the Bible or for uh, going to church or for serving or whatever it might be because we always want to keep that fresh air around us. Have you ever been around somebody that just loves to give with no strings attached and they're excited and they're fired up about giving and they add value to you and it's just like, you are such a breath of fresh air. I want to be around you all the time. Can anybody relate? You know, we've got a Savior that's like that. Well, here's an interesting thought. The value of life is always measured in how much is given away. And when you think about it, generosity is what's celebrated, isn't it? But most people live for today only, and they envy accumulation. And yet, at the end of somebody's life, the most celebrated, absolutely without question, is how generous they were with their life how much they gave away in their life. And I'm not just talking about monetary things. I'm talking about they were generous with giving away a smile or encouragement or, uh, you know, taking time to write a letter to you when you really needed one the most and uh, picked up a phone call or came over to visit you or whatever it is. And it's like generosity is what's most celebrated. But yet for the most of Americans, and I would say even globally, they're living primarily for today, envying accumulation. It's kind of backwards, isn't it, when you think about it? Living beyond ourselves is not an easy thing to do, but we will always find a new level of God's grace when we do. You know, you think about Jesus' words when he said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 5, verse 41, whoever compels you to go one mile, go the extra. Go the extra. Go, the, go a second mile. 
I love what Zig Ziglar used to say. He said, there's never a traffic jam on the second mile. <laughs> Most people are like, I'll give this person just what they need, but not above and beyond that. I'll do this for them, but I'm not going to go above and beyond that. And yet generosity is what's most celebrated. So how can we live beyond ourselves? Because naturally speaking, every one of us have selfishness that we have to overcome. We are so, because of the nature that we are born into, even though our new nature in Christ Jesus says, this is not normal in the kingdom of God to be selfish. The kingdom of God is to be selfless, but yet everyone deals with selfishness and everyone deals with, I would rather have someone serve me than serve them. I would rather ask my country what my country can do for me rather than what I can do for my country. I would rather ask the church what the church can do for me rather than what can I do for the church. You know, when I see people who need help with moving and things like that, I think, where is the excitement for adding value and serving, even though it might not be a glamorous role or position, but when you know that there are people in the congregation that are in a situation, they need help, they need help moving, and it's like, well, let's just call a moving company. What about the church? Couldn't we just step up and make a difference and add value? You know, a few years back or so, we did a funeral service for uh, a young lady in our congregation. She passed on premature and beautiful young lady. And the uncle said to me after the service, when he saw all the people, the hospitality team people, all these people stepping up to serve the family, they didn't even know the family. A lot of them didn't. They didn't even know the family, but the church, High Point, just stepped in and started volunteering and adding value. And this man came to me and he said, I will be signed up for every funeral from here on out. That impacted my life. When I saw people showing up to add value to our family that didn't even know our family, that spoke volumes to me. And let me tell you, every funeral he's been here since, serving, adding value to people he doesn't even know. You know, where is that passion, that desire to just say, I want to add value? Romans chapter 5, verse 7 through 8, I mentioned our Savior just a moment ago. Now, it is an extraordinary thing for one to give his life, even for an upright man, though perhaps for a noble and lovable and generous benefactor, someone might even dare to die. But God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we are still sinners, Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, died for us. Isn't it refreshing to be around people that are just like, no strings attached, I just want to add value to you today. I just want to serve you today. I just... But there are going to be times where it's like, why am I not wanting to do this? Why am I not wanting to serve? Why am I not stepping up? What is going on inside of me? Because we are naturally going to want to be selfish if we do not deal with it. And that's why Jesus said we're going to have to fast and we're going to have to pray on a regular basis because we've got to tell this physical earth suit and our emotions who's in control. That our spirit man is in control, not our emotions, not our will, our mind, our, our physical emotions or our physical earth suit. We, as a spirit man, born again spirit man, are in control of the rest of the other two beings. And we're going to have to fast and pray and remind the physical earth suit, you're not in control, I am in control of you. 
And even if I'm going to have to drag myself there, I know that if I just start investing into other people's lives and sowing into other people's lives, that joy for serving is going to be returned to me because it's as you give, it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be given back to you. Anything that you sow in life will always be reaped. And so when you see someone who doesn't have a smile, give them your smile. It doesn't cost you anything but it it adds absolute value to the lives around you. When you know your spouse had a tough day at work, give them your smile. Give them a manicure, pedicure, I don't care. I mean, go the extra mile. You know, look for ways that you can add value. Don't get tired. Don't grow weary in giving and adding value because this is what separates High Point Church from the rest of this world. When Jesus said the love in this world is gonna get colder, how many have seen that happen in the last few years? But the church is going to grow brighter and stronger and more loving and more compassionate if we continue to let him clean us on a regular basis. So create in me a clean heart. Give me a renewed spirit to keep on adding value, to not grow weary. You know, I love the stories of like Luz Long and Jesse Owens back uh, in 1936, in the, uh, 1936 in the Olympics. Luz Long was from Germany, and he was uh, competing. And, of course, Jesse Owens was from America representing the Americans, and he had already won three gold medals. Here's the thing, though. Back in that time frame, Hitler was not real excited about African Americans uh, winning or even participating in the Olympics. So Jesse Owens had already won three gold medals, and he was working towards the long jump, and, and, you know, he was a phenomenal long jumper. But he had already faulted twice, scratched twice, which means he crossed the board that he was supposed to jump before. He scratched it. And if you do it one more time, three times, you default completely and you're out of that competition. And Luz Long from Germany, who is the hometown favorite, saw that Jesse was really shook up by the crowds. He went up to him and did the unthinkable. He put his arm around Jesse Owens And he said to Jesse, he said, Jesse, I've seen you jump multiple times, 26 feet already. He said, the qualifying mark is 23. Just move back two or three inches from your starting point. You can make the 23 mark easily. So Jesse did. He went and qualified. He went on to win the, uh, the competition, got another gold medal. And I love what Jesse Owens said after that. He said, you could take all of my gold medals and you can burn them all down, but compared to the value of the friendship that I found in Les Long, nothing even compares to that. In other words, Jesse Owens and Les Long went on to become lifelong friends because Les Long saw something more than, and Les Long was his competitor in that competition. And yet he stepped beyond himself and said, you know what? I see some serious talent in this guy, and I want him to win. You know, there's something about wanting other people to win that really separates us from the rest of the world today. That really cares about saying, I want to add value to you, even if there's no strings attached. If all I get out of this is just a friendship for the rest of our lives, it will be worth it. But you never know because some of those relationships may one day come back to be a blessing to you. I love the story of Coach Brown, who uh, was the coach for LSU. Coach Dale Brown spoke at a military base one day, and afterwards, a young man came up to him who was, he was six foot eight, 
Size shoe, 17 inches. It's like enormous. And he's like, well, how long have you been in the military? And he's like, I ha- I'm not in the military. My dad's in the military. I'm only 13 years old. <laughs> Coach Brown stepped back like, oh, my word. And he started speaking life into him and encouraging him like, you can do something great with your life. That gift of your height is a phenomenal gift from God. You could do something amazing. And so he started encouraging him like, maybe you should consider going out for basketball. And so he tried out for basketball, but he got cut from the team. And so he wrote a letter to Coach Dale Brown, and he said, I got cut. And Coach Dale Brown right away responded to him and said, keep on trying. Keep on working out. Keep on asking God to help you. Later, that young man grew to be seven foot one, almost 300 pounds, went on to play for Coach Dale Brown, and later became NBA's most, one of the most favorite, Shaquille O'Neal. You just never know that when you sow seed into people's lives, how that could come one day to be a blessing to you directly or indirectly. And that's why I say over and over here at High Point Church, we're not uh, bridge burners. We are bridge builders here at High Point Church. You never want to burn a bridge ever because you never know how one man's destiny can become another man's success. Hitch your wagon to a star. Yes. Surround yourself with people that are further ahead of you, but remember to keep taking people with you in the process as well. Amen? Matthew, or Proverbs 18, 24 reminds us that a man who has friends must himself be friendly. In other words, if you want to have friends, you're going to have to be friendly. And you may not know how to be a friend to others yet. But learn what love languages are. Take personality tests. Do whatever you need to do to learn how to become outwardly focused, not just inwardly focused. Maybe standing on stage isn't your comfort level. It wasn't for me. God will take and make you extraordinary and take even what was once a weakness and make it your greatest strength. I'm the type that when people looked at me, they thought, you've got to be an extrovert. I'm like, no, I'm actually an introvert. This is stretching me to do what I do. And of course, over the years, I've learned to just tap into God's grace and say, all right, Lord, you're my senior helper. I can't even take the next breath without you. So just take my life and do something with it. But learning to live beyond myself was one of the most important things. And I continue to stretch myself day after day to say, God, who can I add value to today? How can I make a difference in people's lives today? Who needs a phone call? Who needs a text message? How can I add value? What can I do? Because you will always say goodbye to loneliness when you choose to live beyond yourself. Jesus says, In Matthew 25, verse 35 through 40, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then then the righteous will answer him and say, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So my question to you today is, who are the Jesse Owens in your life? Who can you, you are like the Coach Dale Browns today. You are like the, the Luz Longs today. There are people in your life that Jesse owns that really could use your support and your strength and your comfort. And, and maybe you're feeling like, well, I need that. But you will find, you will get that as you live beyond yourself. 
You know, I love the story of Barnabas. He's not even talked about that much in the Bible, but Barnabas, I love this story because in Acts chapter 9, verse 26 through 27, when Saul first became a Christian, none of the disciples believed it. They didn't trust him. And yet watch what happens in verse 26 through 27. Back in Jerusalem, Saul tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. They didn't trust him one bit. Then Barnabas took him under his wing. He introduced him to the apostles and stood up for him, told them how Saul had seen and spoken to the master on the Damascus road and how in Damascus itself he had laid his life on the line with his bold preaching in Jesus' name. Even though we don't hear much about Barnabas in the Bible, Barnabas is the one who took Saul, who later became known as the Apostle Paul, under his wing. And Paul later wrote over half of the New Testament. Let me tell you, whether you're a Coach Dale Brown today, or a Luz Long today, or a Barnabas today, your adding value to the people around you will not only bring comfort and encouragement to you, but it will comfort and encourage the people around you. Your life is valuable and important, and comes with meaning, and with purpose. And one of the purposes that Jesus reminds us that if you will simply add value, if you will look and get distracted with me for the one that's lost, that doesn't know me yet, that needs a touch of my love, or maybe it's somebody in the congregation that just needs a phone call or a visit, reaching out to them, There's something you can do. You can make a meal. You can make cinnamon rolls. You can write a letter. You can help go to a senior citizen's uh, assisted living, maybe write letters on their behalf to their loved ones that maybe they aren't in a place where they can write anymore, but they could share it with you. There's so much that you can do. Don't limit yourself because your life is important. And Titus, it talks about, in verses 1 through 6, it talks about how men show the younger men how to live a a life of dignity and, and character and you know, and all that. And older women show the younger women how to love their husbands and love their children. Your life, young or old, is important in God's eyes. You know, quickly, I got two quick stories I'm going to share with you and then I'll close up for the day. There's a friend of ours down in the South that has a church and it's a, it's a big church. But he said one day a, a young lady came to him and shared a story. And this is what it was. There was a young lady attending his church that was wrapping up her college season. And, uh, and throughout the college season, she kept having a reoccurring thought to invite a particular college classmate to church with her. Well, it was coming to a closure of the season, so she thought, well, I better take this step of faith and this courage. I better be bold and just go up and ask him to go to church with me. So she did. And that weekend, that young man went to church with her, and he accepted Christ. Well, two years or so passed, and she hadn't seen him. She didn't you know, didn't know what his life was like or what happened to him. She was thankful that she took that step of faith, but she finished up college. He was done with college, and they moved on. And again, it was a big church, so uh, she never did see him again. But one day she met her dream husband at that church. She fell in love with him. They got married. She was so excited. She was the happiest woman in the whole world kind of concept. And one day her and her husband were volunteering and they got to the church early and they saw that classmate that she had invited two years ago to church with her. And she was so excited to see him. And so she greeted him. But here's the interesting thing. Her husband went up to him like they were long lost friends. And they hugged and they greeted each other and they were so excited. And she's like, uh, how do you guys know each other? And her husband said, two years ago, he invited me to this church and I got saved. What am I saying? 
attached to one man's success is another man's destiny. You are one bridge away from making possibly a divine connection of your future spouse. Or something even that's more important to you than a spouse right now because you're already married. (laughs) It could be a connection for your dream job. But your life is important and it adds value. And God is telling me today to share with you that we are in the process, if we will sow right now, this is a time, as Amos says in Amos chapter 9, verse 13 through 15, that you are going to reap so much, it's going to be beyond, it's going to make your head spin. I love what the scripture says. Yes, indeed, it won't be long now, God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast, your head will spin. One thing fast on the heels of the other, you won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once, and everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. I'll make everything right again for my people Israel. They'll rebuild the ruins, their ruined cities. They'll plant vineyards and drink good wine. They'll work their gardens and eat fresh vegetables, and I'll plant them. I'll plant them on their own land, and they'll never again be uprooted from the land I've given them. God, your God, says so. You know, last week the Lord had given me instruction just to share a, a glimpse, we're not even close to doing this, but I want you to, I mean, we're, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, God's already got this. He's already got his mind made up, but he's had me share just a glimpse of one of the dreams that we have. It's not only additional campuses, go to a thousand, launch television. We've got these things that are really important to the Lord. But one thing that's really, really been pressing on his heart lately is a marriage retreat for pastors and leaders right now. And so I shared just a glimpse of that last Sunday. Just a glimpse. How many heard me talk about that just briefly last Sunday? So we made a decision. All right, we're going to build a marriage retreat. We don't know exactly where that's going to be yet. We're praying over that. I do have somebody in the church that's been impacted by the church that has said already that he's going to leave his land uh, property to us and his will. But, you know, that could be a few years out yet. And so we're engaged in conversations this week about that, but I don't know for sure where it's going to be yet. I just know that we're supposed to do it. So we planted the vision in your hearts and said, you know, we'll get a rendering. We'll, we'll get a picture of what this looks like. I don't even know because even as pastors, I don't know, Amy and I are still growing and we're still trying to figure this out. We don't even really know how to totally replenish yet. We're still figuring out when we should be taking pit stops along the way and getting our tires rotated and oil chains, you know, so we don't burn out the wheels on the track kind of thing. So we're still learning this. But we cast vision last Sunday just briefly about it. And on Tuesday, I took some of our staff up to a conference called Grow. And on Tuesday, there was a big break. So I don't know, there's hundreds, possibly thousands, I don't know, a thousand or so people there, pastors and, and staff leaders from their church uh, that were from all around, you know, the state that were here at this conference. And to make a long story short, we took a 15-minute break and there was uh, three big organizations that were there, like Convoy of Hope and stuff like that, that were there representing uh, their ministries to feed uh, the starving, you know, world hunger and things of that nature that are there to introduce themselves to pastors and leaders of the church. So I'm leaving the break, you know, going, I'm about to come back into the sanctuary because we're going to resume the next session. And a man leaves his post of representing a a big organization of feeding world hunger. And he approaches me and he says these words. He looks at me. He says, "Um, 
you, your wife, you're co- you co-lead a church in Rochester, don't you? And I said, yes, we do. And I said, it's High Point. And he said, yes, I know. He said, I've watched you. And he's a regional manager for the Midwestern states. And he had become familiar with us somehow, some way, by the grace of God. And he looked at me with this compassion. In fact, that's what the ministry's name is, but um, Compassion International. But he looked at me and he said, how's your energy level? And I said, well, it's a lot better than it had been. I said, when we first started the church, I said, I didn't, we didn't really know when to take breaks. Uh, maybe once a year or something. And, and you know, obviously uh, that, that can wear on pastors. But I said, we're, we're trying to figure this out a little bit more. We've started to learn a little bit more about how to stay replenished and refreshed. In fact, my wife is going to be starting a podcast pretty soon on how leaders replenish, not because we've got this thing figured out, but, you know, we just want to, we want to grow with other leaders, other pastors, and how do we keep pastors in the race long-term with us? And he looked at me and he said, say, can I do something for you and your wife? And I said, you know, now we're supposed to be getting information on his organization, how we can partner with them and help, you know, curb hunger in this world and so on like that. And he says to me, he says, Pastor Sean, I'd like to fly you and Amy to Tampa, Florida to an all-exclusive resort where everything's paid for, all expenses, flights, everything. You can go golfing at a high-end golf resort there, spa every day. You can just, and it's going to be all the food and refreshing that you need. Can I do that for you? Now, I don't even know this guy. And now here's a funny thing. Amy and I, for the last several months, have already made a decision for May 10th is our 25th anniversary. We had already made a decision that we were going to fly to Tampa, Florida. We didn't know where we were going to stay yet. And so... How many know that God really cares about keeping pastors replenished? I said to Amy, I said on Tuesday, I said, what do you think? Do you want to go? And she's like, do I want to go? <laughs> like, oh my goodness, I get a massage and facial and manicures and pedicures. I'm there kind of thing. And I said, you know, our father in the faith, our pastor is known all around the world literally for being known for the favor of God that's on his life and teaching favor all these last 50 years. And he's literally introduced as Dr. Favor in many, many pulpits around the world. And I said, I think, I think we are going to pass him up one day. (laughs) Does somebody just want to touch me? Just just get some of this favor off me? It's like overflowing. It's all over me. But all I'm saying is that God really does care about it. And I said to the Lord as I was walking back into the sanctuary, my, mind, my head was spinning. It's like, what just happened? And I heard the Spirit of God say these words. He said, I told you, if you'll take care of my leaders, my pastors, and this is us as a church. You need to understand, I cannot do this without you. But if you will take care of my leaders, my pastors, and I thought to myself, well, how will we connect with them? How will we know? And he, it's like, it's kind of the field of dreams. Just build it and they'll come. <laughs> but he said, if you'll take care of them, you as a church will reap faster and your heads will be spinning on the harvest of sowing in. And he reminded me of the scripture, when you show double honor to your pastors, to your leaders, that they, if you show them double honor, I'm telling you, God will do things for you that you can't even imagine. I'll close with one more quick story. Is that Okay. I'm way past my time anyway, so who cares now, right? Brother Moore, one day, he said that he had a pastor on his heart in particular. And the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to go cast vision at their church of buying a new vehicle for that pastor. And he's like, well, um, should I call? Because I don't call for invitations, like, can I come speak? He said, no, just go up there, fly up there, and let them know that you're in the area, but you're not looking to speak. You're just, you're just there. 
and he'll ask you to speak. And he's like, well, okay. So he flies up there, and he's already made the decision that if the church doesn't even get on board, he is going to buy the vehicle for the pastor, even if the church doesn't get on board with his vision. But he, the Lord went on to say to Brother Moore, he said, you really, what did you say that Monique used to, or Mary Kay used to always say? The speed of a leader is the speed of the game? Is that it? Okay, that's good. Uh, so when you, he said, if you, will bless, if you will bless the pastor, you will start, that church will start seeing significant results in their own personal life. And so he said, all right, I'll do this. So he flies up there, he texts his uh, friend, and he says he's in the area. And the pastor is like, lady like, oh my goodness, well, will you speak? And he's like, sure, I'll be happy to speak. So he shares this vision of the Lord speaking to him about buying a vehicle for the pastor. And the church got over the top, excited, elated about it, and they literally took up an offering and they bought a new vehicle for that pastor that very, very Sunday. Well, the next year he came back, and you have to know and understand that in the parking lot, there really wasn't a lot of new vehicles in the parking lot. Only one year later, he went back to that church, and the church parking lot was filled with beautiful brand new vehicles and testimonies that just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming of major promotions that they had received at work and job connections and dreams coming true. Why? Because when you get on board with what's important to God, and taking care of leaders, this vision of marriage, a marriage retreat for pastors and leaders is a big deal to God. And he said, if you will cast this vision, you'll be surprised at how fast the funds come in for this. Because we haven't even gotten the rendering of what the, this place is going to look like or anything. But he said, you'll be surprised. And then he let me know, Amos, is going to be your scripture, that your heads will be spinning in the process of this. Because God takes care of his racehorses, I'm going to put it that way. And if we can help pastors and leaders stay in the ministry longer and help them finish their race, I'm telling you, we're helping flocks. We're talking about helping churches. It is time as a church that we go to that next level of God's grace and live beyond ourselves as a church. We're grateful for what God has done here at High Point Church, but it's time to start thinking even more globally, internationally, and say, what can we do to help pastors and leaders around the world stay in the ministry? And I can already tell you in third world countries, Argentina included, Peru, Chile, where um, Danny and Stephanie are this week right now, there are pastors because of socialism that they cap off salaries. Airports have had to shut down because they can't, nobody can even afford to get out of like Argentina. Pastors can't leave Argentina. So the only way we're going to get pastors to come stay at a retreat is if we go in and get them and pay for their expenses so they can be here at this place that we're going to build. Are you ready to go with us? Because it only takes one person saying, I'm on board with you, Jesus. Let's do this together. Let me take a moment. We'll pray close. Father, thank you so much for just helping us to just grab a hold of what you're doing in High Point Church and through High Point Church. And thank you for the difference that you've been able to make. I am so grateful for the blessing, the harvest that's come upon God's people here. I've seen your blessing, your favor that's been upon the Seville's come upon us and upon the people of High Point Church. I know that association, connection um, comes, the affiliation that we are affiliated with comes with the divine connections of increase on our lives. But Lord, today, we as a church, it is our heart and our prayer to live beyond ourselves. Whether we're talking about making a difference internally here as a church or living externally for the people around us in the sphere of our influence, but help us to be history makers, people who will start thinking beyond ourselves today for a better tomorrow for that person next to us. And Lord, we just appreciate you. We're so grateful to be a part of something that's so much bigger than ourselves. 
And replenishing leaders, replenishing pastors around the world is something that I know is stirring on your heart very much so, and we just are grateful to be a part of that. So thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be a part of something that's so much bigger than ourselves as a church. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray blessings over your people today. I pray for times of refreshing for them, that if there's anything that's been contaminating their joy and serving and loving people, I just pray that there would be such a washing upon their souls. Their spirit, Lord, would just create in them a new spirit and renewed heart for the joy of serving and loving people around us and being that warmth and comfort to be that salt and light, to add value, no strings attached, but just to be a gift and a blessing to the people around them and their marriages, their families. I thank you for just that renewal of spirit in them in Jesus' name. Now with every head bowed, every eye closed for just a minute longer, if you've never made the decision to receive Jesus Christ or you're at a place in your life where I'm not, I'm not living for Christ the way that I could or should, and today I'd really like to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you slip up your hands, hands all around this auditorium just saying, Pastor, I want to receive Christ or recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. Any others are saying, Pastor, pray for me too. I want to receive Christ or recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. Just a moment longer, anyone else? Okay, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I know it takes a lot of courage and confidence to do this. Let's take a moment, pray with those that are here in person, those that are joining us online. We just remind you, the scripture uh, says so beautifully in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means no matter what you've done wrong, all that matters right now is what Jesus Christ has done right. So let's take a moment, call on the name of the Lord with those that are making that quality choice and that decision today. Would you pray out loud with me? Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever. Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence. Take my life and do something with it. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you give the Lord a big hand clap? Let him know how much you love him today.